0: Would you please open your Bibles to the book of Philippians? And we, this year, are really trusting God for great things, because we have this expectation within our hearts for the things that He's going to be doing. Um, We really do want to go deep with God as well as a church, because when you go deep with God, what happens is that you are able to dig deep when you need to. And um, also, we as a church want to be faithful to the mission that God has given to us and that you and us as a church have been working on. Um, And it's a mission that was very, very deep and dear to the heart of God. And as a matter of fact, that mission he gave to the disciples when they became the apostles, the church embraced it. And that is to take the gospel from home base all the way out into the nations. And when we look at the book of Philippians, you will see that the book of Philippians addresses these three values that we want to hold dear this year. It's so easy for us to lose our way with everything that's going on within the world. And certainly from our perspective, there's so many. Um, experiences out there that we can be a part of. There's so many events that um, grab our attention and it's so easy to get distracted. And so as a church for 2022, we want to keep our focus where it needs to be at. And the book of Philippians really helps us. To do that, and so Philippians chapter 1. And we said that the key phrase of the book of Philippians is found um, within verse 11, um, and verse 11 says, Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And then he says, to the glory and the praise of God. And you'll see that this phrase, to the glory and the praise of God, um, is repeated in the book of Philippians several times. Paul repeats it in the book of Ephesians. Peter embraces that term in the letters that he writes to the church. Um, And so we see that it seems to be a general theme. In the book of Philippians, it seems like it is um, that theme that attracts all other activities to itself. So if we are to preach the gospel, it is to the praise and the glory of his name. If it is to be involved in a certain activity to serve, it is to the praise and the glory of his name. If it is to stop murmuring and complaining that Paul makes mention of in Philippians chapter 1 and 2, it is to the praise and the glory of his name. When he says, do not worry, in prayer bring everything before God, we do it to the praise and the glory of of his name. Then later in the book of Philippians, Paul says, you know, I want you to think on all of these things which are good, um, which are helpful, things that build others up. Why? Because that brings praise and glory to Jesus. I don't know about you, but this is a phrase that's starting to grab a hold of my heart. Paul even says in the book of Philippians, um, with him being in jail, being under house arrest for two years, and he writes this letter from prison, he says, what has happened to me is for the advancement of the gospel. What he is actually saying is the circumstances that I find myself in is to the praise and the glory of his name. So whatever circumstances that you find yourselves in, God can turn it around for the praise and the glory of his name. When I met Jenny almost 29 years ago now, and um, when we got married, I didn't know that the help me that God was going to give me was going to help me to live for his praise, for his glory. The children that God gave me, right and Chris, God has given that wonderful gift not just for me, but it's for his praise and for his glory. And I didn't fully understand that when God sent us, I think in a week's time, eight years ago, to this church, that it would be for His praise and for His glory, not only just for our adventure. It's a wonderful adventure to go on at the age of 50, if you would agree with me. You know, To leave your home country, to come to Switzerland, what an awesome adventure it is. But that adventure is for His praise. It is for His glory. So, my job here at Lyft, your job in the company where you are at, or at home where you are serving your children and your spouse, that is for his praise, for his glory. On Wednesdays, when we come together here, and when I saw what the ladies have set out before us, and I tell you, they know how to set things out there in the coffee shop. Would you agree, those of you who come? It is not to say, well, what a great place Lift is on a Wednesday. It is for His praise, and it is for His glory. I really want that to grab a hold of our hearts. And suddenly our faith looks very, very differently. I. I, 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 Ken led the prayer meeting on Tuesday night, and when I spoke to him this morning, he said uh, they just, as they started at the prayer meeting, there was just such a wonderful spirit of thanksgiving to God. And he said it was, it was just amazing, just, just how it rolled, rolled, rolled In people just giving praise and thanks to God. That is what happens when we start to understand and when we start living life for His praise and for His glory. I had a very wise man. He used to teach me. His name was Dudley Daniel. And he said that um, whenever you work within a church context or uh, whenever you work in a team, he says, always build a way. From yourself, when you build away from yourself, you, uh, your purpose is not to attract attention to yourself, but build away from yourself. He says, build away, uh, build towards others. Don't build towards yourself. And it's amazing. It's this very same con uh, 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 um, concept here is is where we start building away from ourselves. We don't mind who gets the glory, don't we? As a matter of fact, we do mind we get the glory. We want Jesus to get the glory, amen? You see, but when we start to build away from ourselves, that's, you know, in our relationships with one another, the moment we build towards ourselves, when it's all about me, you'll find out that you become uh, 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 so enameled with yourself. But when we start to build away from ourselves, towards your spouse, when you praise your spouse more than you want your spouse to praise you, you're building away from yourself. When you want your children to be more respectful to you than you are of them, and you actually build towards your children and you respect them and you treat them the way God wants you to treat them. You know, Paul says in, in Ephesians, don't exasperate your children. What it means, don't, don't put so much on them. Um, but, you know, try and build into them instead of expecting others to build into you. It just refers to almost every aspect of our lives where we start to live for His praise and for His glory. And when, we, when, when it doesn't matter who gets the credit, how are you able to put that into action within the workplace. Isn't that hard? Because we, uh, we are taught, and the environment is so toxic that it expects for you to build towards yourself, because that's how you get the promotion. It's all about you, and eventually we know what happens. You know, uh, None of us can sustain that type of pressure indefinitely. And so Paul writes into this, within the book of Philippians. It is most amazing. You know, and, and as he addresses these things, he uses wonderful words that frees us because right where we are sitting, we say, you know, this is almost impossible for me to do. How do I pull it away from myself? You know, Am I not going to lose out when I do that? Is someone else not going to get ahead of me? It's amazing because we can't do these things within ourselves because the world that we live in just operates so differently. But the kingdom of God is completely opposite. Didn't Jesus say that if you want to be first, you need to become last? You know, And so he uses all of these principles. Why? Because he is the one ultimately who will promote us. He is the one who will put us in places where we need to be at. And he uses terms, Paul. You know, he, he, It's amazing. And we can start reading the scripture in verse 1 uh, of Philippians um, chapter 1, where Paul says, Paul and Timothy, listen to these words. And again, almost every single phrase here is language. That speaks about living for his praise and for his glory. Listen, listen for the language here. Paul and Timothy, can you tell me what, what's the next word? Yes? yes. Servants. That's a phrase. that's a word that teaches us how to live for his praise and his glory, where we serve. So, I think when we read, we need to just keep that thought within my mind. What is Paul trying to say to the church? He says, Paul and Timothy. It's not just Paul, but it's Timothy. Teamwork. It is not just Pierre. It is Ken. It is not Pierre and Ken. It is Jenny and Christine. It is not Pierre, Jenny, and Christine only. It is Billy. It's not Billy, it's Jenny. It is Ryan, it's Louise. It is Adam. Jackie, do you you understand just the language here? For his praise and for his glory, it's not just Paul. That's what he means. You know, he's trying to loosen something. And the moment when that starts to happen, it's amazing how our focus shifts from us onto others, but ultimately... For his praise and for his glory. This is Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the elders and deacons, two levels of leadership within the local church grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the two sisters appearing here, grace and peace. You cannot have peace if there isn't grace. And so he deals with these two words, grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is that which comes from heaven to us. It's God's gift that reigns upon us in many different ways. Peace peace is, and particularly within the context that Philippians was written in. It is, it, it, you know, he speaks about harmony between people. He addresses eudice and sanctity, two ladies within the church who were fighting each other. And he says, man, these ladies who really helped me so, so much over the last number of years. He says, hey, I plead with you to work out your differences and to walk in harmony. This is the word that he used here where he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Grace is that which God brings to us. Peace is that which we live out. We can disturb peace within our hearts by what we do. And so he says, ladies, and of course he could have just, in the same way, have meant men (laughs) He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your, what's the word? Partnership. Partnership is for his praise and for his glory. Do you see just how this, you know, I'm I'm sorry, I'm laboring this point, but I think it is so cool when you start to read the Bible and you start to understand what Paul is trying to get across. Partnership is when we work together. He says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. The word is what? Share in God's grace with me. All of you share in God's grace with me. When that happens, it is for his praise and for his glory. It's not... It is mine, it is mine, it's, it's, it's all mine. He says, no, we share in it. Here at Lyft, we want to share in the graces of God. Suddenly when that happens, praise and glory goes to our God. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is by prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge, depth, and insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. What? To the glory and praise of God. You see, my friends, when there is grace within our lives, that which comes from God, when we walk in peace within our lives, and we have it right here, that is when joy flows easily. When joy dries up, there's a problem with peace in our hearts. When peace is disturbed, our joy is very, very low. When we no longer receive, and I use the word receive, God's grace, That's when joy is very low. When we start to do things in our own strength, joy is low. But when we have an attitude of receiving from God, and whenever we receive from God, it is His grace that fills our lives. Joy is there in abundance. You see, the church here at Philippi, just a little bit of background quickly. The church was not suffering from doctrinal error. So he's not trying to correct doctrine here. So Paul did not come with a heavy hand. He had to at Corinth, but not here. Nor was there ethical or moral perversion in the church at Philippi, like in Corinth. So, he did not have to rebuke someone strongly as at Corinth. The only problem was that he, that he had about this church, which was that um, there could be a problem with you, a unity within the church. So, so, he speaks about fellowship here. You see, the word fellowship comes across very deeply. We see that he speaks about Yudhia and sanctity here. He says, you guys have gotten out of touch with each other. Sort that out. And so we see that this is the context, that that man in prison is writing to the church. Now, I want you to get this picture. Paul, they say, could either have been in prison or under house arrest. And what normally happened those days were if you were in prison, you would be chained to a guard. He was there for two years. And also very interesting that if you landed up in prison, The prison didn't give you food. You had to rely on family to bring food for you. Otherwise you would die. And so you can understand as he writes to the church at Philippi, he says, man, at times you really came wonderfully through for me and you sustained me. Because for Paul, the church was his family. And then he even says in the book of Philippi, he says, when you didn't come through for me, he says, there were some others who came through for me and provided for what was lacking within my life. He says, I'm writing these things in the last chapter of the book of Philippians. He says, I'm writing this not so that I can get stuff from you, but you're giving so that it be, it will be credit to you within God's account. He says, as a matter of fact, at the moment, I I have more than enough. But I'm encouraging you to give so that it can be credited Your account when God balances the books in eternity. So he comes with this attitude and he says, Common guys, within the church, doctrine, you guys are doing all right. He says, Morally, you're staying within the bounds that God had placed for you. But he says, Relationally, mm, I'm just a little bit concerned. So he says, In your relationships, do everything. for his praise and for his glory. You know, I, I just, this, this last week, as, as this truth was upon my heart and as I'm trusting God just to work it through my different relationships and, and every time, which is not often, maybe once every 10 years when I get frustrated with Jeannie, you know, and I look at my action, I say, Lord, let my response be to the praise and to the glory of your name. Amen? You know, it it, kind of deals with, well, who's right and who's wrong in this thing? And so Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, don't worry about who's right or who's wrong, but why don't you live out your relationships to the praise and to the glory of his name? During this COVID time, family relationships have been strange. People in the church, people in the workplace, all over strange relationships. If we could learn this principle during COVID to live our lives to the praise of his name and to his glory. Do you think things would look differently? Undoubtedly, every single time. And so... You know, the question that you're asking, and you're asking a very good question, how do we practically do this? Well, firstly, when we look at this passage of Scripture, you'll find out that Paul says in verse 3, and if you could have a look in your Bibles at verse 3 there, he says, we need to live a life of thankfulness or of thanksgiving. To God. Verse 3 says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Well, you know, what we do is as we pray for one another, there are times when we don't remember each other with thanksgiving, do we? There are times when I pray for people in the church and I say, Lord, it's very hard for me to thank you for that person, to thank you for that person, to thank you for that person. You know, Paul says that uh, uh, he had a thorn within his flesh and apparently it could have been Simon the Tanner. So I wonder whether Paul thanked God for Simon the Tanner. And so it is similar to us. But Paul here, when he says to the church at Philippi, he says, I thank God for you every time I pray for you. I wonder whether he felt that way about um, Judea and sanctity. Who was having problems and it created problems within the church and it created problems for Paul. I wonder, he says he thanked God for them. Now, I want you to think just for a moment those people at the moment that you're not thanking God for. <laughs> think about it. Maybe your boss at work, maybe a colleague that you're working with, it could be your spouse, it could be your children. Just could be a friend that disappointed you. If we are to live a life of praise and glory to God, we need to learn the principle of living a life of thankfulness. Ken said at the prayer meeting on Tuesday our people were just thanking God for so many different things. Just wonderful things that people were thanking God for. You know 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Isn't that beautiful? Again in the book of Philippians this term, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. That's why it's good before we eat just to say thank you to Jesus for the food and for the person who made it. I'm always Very thankful when Jenny cooks. She is a wonderful cook. I love her food. It's, you know, um, I would rather eat Jenny's food than to go to a restaurant. And so when I pray, I say, Lord, thank you for Jenny. Why? That is to the praise and glory of His name. When we start to live a lifestyle of thankfulness, it starts within the home, it starts with spouses thanking God for each other. It starts with children thanking God. I, I, well, my son Chris was home with us for three weeks. And before we eat, I say, guys, let's just pause. Let's thank God for the food and Chris, let's thank God for mom. He's 24. I don't need to say this. This man just adores his mother. He thanks his mother all the time. I just love that attitude. Where there is an attitude of thankfulness, what is there? There is, you got it right, joy. Amen? Thankfulness produces joy within the home. It's the same within a business. It's the same within a church. We need to say thank you to each other often. Amen? That's why it was so wonderful when We, about a month and a half ago, we stood up as a congregation and with one voice, we shouted and we clapped and we said thank you to all of those who worked for our kids. Do you remember that? It was just, for me, one of the most special days at Lyft that we could say thank you. Why? That type of thankfulness creates joy within our lives. So many problems would be erased if we learn To live a life of thankfulness. Just thanking each other. Why don't you start practically this week to thank God for people. But this is the key here. Paul was not only saying thank you God for the people that he liked. He was saying thank you for the people that he didn't like. Because at that time, unity and sanctity, they were more of a thorn in Paul's flesh because with the leaders within the church, he had to sort out some disunity that started to spark within the church, that was starting to spread like a cancer. And he had to deal with that. So even for people that we don't particularly like, that we don't pray, who carries different views, we often say over the last year, people who... Who, uh, who don't believe in vaccination and people who believe in vaccination, if we could start to thank one another, if we could say, God, God, I thank you for Billy. Say, God, I thank you for Jenny. I thank you for Piet van Poghenpoor. Whoever it is. But specifically for those people that we don't particularly like to hang with. Lord... I thank you for them. You see, that prayer is a prayer of faith. And Paul does this very well. He says, whenever I think about you, I thank God for you. Now, truly, there are times when Paul didn't quite appreciate what some people were doing. Would you agree? But he says, when I think about you, I thank God for you. Why? Because he saw the potential good that God was working out within those people. And you'll see that within the next point. Praying in faith, we see each other with the eyes of Jesus, not our own natural eyes. Paul knew that when he prayed like this, that joy flows very easily. Within his own life. So, in Philippians 1 verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Then in Philippians 1 verse 18, um, Paul says, Yes, and I will continue to be rejoice. And I put thankful within brackets there. Because whenever I read the word joy or rejoice now, I'm going to remember that that comes when I'm thankful. So in brackets I put, and I'm sure that the Holy Spirit wouldn't mind in that me doing that. Yes, and I'll continue to rejoice, brackets thankful. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for your deliverance. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, he says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Isn't that a magnificent scripture? The world needs a church that shine like stars in the sky. Amen? The ch- world needs a church that is a singing church, where we did the series of the book of Psalms. The church needs to be singing. How do we sing? It's when we live for His praise and for His glory. How do we say thank you for one another? It's when we start to live for His praise and for His glory. But we do know that thankfulness is a difficult truth for us to get our hands around. You know, you just look at Luke chapter 17 verses 11 and 19 and the scripture is not up here. So I would just like you just to listen to me as I read the scripture. It's about the ten lepers. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. What did he do? Praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now we know percentage wise, it's the minority who live a life of thanks. It's the minority as a result who live for the praise of his name and for his glory. I believe Lift Family here and those of you online that we could change the odds here. And I believe that as a church and as people, that we can change around. How do we do that? (coughs) These people understood that God had mercy on us. Those people understood that whoever they were was because of God's grace within their lives. My friends, what you have today, believe me, is what God has given to you graciously. Is there anyone who can say amen to that? Because really, you're not smart enough, and I'm not smart enough, to have what we have here. Agreed? You may think you are, but that's why you're not living a life of thankfulness. What we have is because of the grace of God, and even more so, and a prevailing theme as we close now, is... That Paul says, so that you can be blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we live blameless lives when Jesus comes? It is by falling onto the mercy and the grace of God. That's the only way we can live blameless lives. Would you agree? It's not within ourselves. It is when we recognize that Jesus paid the highest price for our sins. When we recognize that it's actually His love that set us free. And as a result, everything that you have, your intelligence, your emotional IQ for you to get on with people, the gifts that you have, is as a result, Of Jesus looking kindly upon us. Or God looking kindly upon us. Because. Of his death. And his resurrection. His grace flows. Because Jesus rose from the dead. And that very same power. That raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible says. Raised us from the dead. And that is why. We live. In a way. We we, we want to live to the praise and the glory of his name.